0: Spoiler alert, this podcast will cover events in the most recent aired episode of Game of Thrones on HBO. If you have not seen that episode yet, you may wish to avoid this podcast until you have. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy.
1: Dedicated to HBO's Game of Thrones and George R.R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire book series, you're listening to Podcast Winterfell. Here's your host, Matt Burk.
0: And welcome to Podcast Wonderfellows episode 283 of the podcast. This one entitled, There's Something Stupid About Aria. For those of you who are just now joining the podcast, we've started a series of character examinations for the television side of of the characters as opposed to the book side of the characters. Thanks so much for joining us. And this one is all about Arya. Uh, last week's episode was entitled, There's Nothing Stupid About Arya. And the whole stupid thing comes from a reference of uh, for Arya in the books. But TV-friendly people... TV-only people, don't worry. This podcast has nothing to do with the books. It's just a one of my favorite phrases from the books about Aurea. So that's the only reason I included it in the title. By the way, my name is Matt Murdock. I am from PodcastWinterfell.com. That's where you can find all of the back episodes of the podcast. You can find social media and contact information, and you can find links to podcast apps, And if you could take the time to go to whatever podcast app that you use in order to get this podcast and leave a review of the written form for this podcast, I would very much appreciate it. Not only would it be appreciated by me, and I will thank you in a future podcast uh, once, since these are being pre recorded right now, I can't thank people in the moment who have just recently left a review. But. I will thank you in a future podcast, and I will also throw your name into the hat for a chance to win the Game of Thrones Season 6 soundtrack, and you will be able to win it in either CD or MP3 form, uh, whichever format is your preference. I will get it to you. You have to leave a written review by October 4th, 2016, again, in whatever podcast app that you use. Uh plus not only does it help me to know what you like or dislike about the show, but it also helps me keep noticed amongst the other fourteen point seven billion Game of Thrones podcasts that are out there. Um, so uh I win as well as you. And I'm going to be give away two copies. There will be two winners for this drawing because we do have quite a few people who are leaving reviews. I want to make sure that uh your chances aren't diminished too much. I want to cut your chances of losing in half and increase your chances of winning twofold. So I'm going to give away two copies. Now, if you've already left a written review before, there is no need to rewrite the review. Uh, but again, if you have not left a written review before, then October 4th, 2016 is your deadline. And I will announce at the website and on Twitter... Uh, the winner, and in a podcast that comes out after that, the winners of the Game of Thrones Season 6 soundtracks. Thanks so much in advance for leaving a written review, and again, if you've already left a review sometime in the past, there is no need to rewrite the review. You already had your name thrown into the hat to be drawn on October 7th. And, since I am pre-recording these, i just let you know that if it's a few days after the season finale and I am covering as many characters as I possibly can pre-recording because I am very busy touring in July. I'm very busy touring uh, for the first part of August as well. But we will have some more book content coming your way in August as well. We're going to be covering the Mystery Night and the Sworn Sword from the Duncan Egg novellas, which are compiled in the beautiful book, A Night of the Seven Kingdoms. Those are coming up for you in October, as well as other book stuff in the future, but I'm trying to keep the television-only audience as engaged in the podcast during the off-season as well. And I found it an interesting thing to do would be to look at some of our favorite characters from Game of Thrones, um, mostly those who are still alive, some who have passed on perhaps, but And we want to look at them for their journey, where they've come from, where they've gotten to, and for those that are still living, where they might go. And that's what this series is all about, and we are in our second part of covering Aria. So let's get going. In part one of our series about Arya, we covered pretty much every influence that Arya has had and how that has shaped her life as she's gone along, save Jok and Hagar, and the Faceless Men. It is now time to explore that aspect, which has been the source of a little bit of frustration for many viewers in terms of her storyline the past two seasons. Now, as you TV-only people may or may not know... Book readers often like to cite what we call textual evidence from the books to propose theories or to make points about characters. And, in a similar fashion, in regards to Jaqen and the Faceless Men, I will be using television clips to try and make my viewpoint on what has happened with Arya in regards to and Hagar and the House of Black and White. This, of course, is my own interpretation, and you have should feel free to disagree with me. You can disagree with me by submitting feedback to podcastwinterfell at gmail dot com, or by calling 314-669-1840 or by tweeting at Winterfell Pod if you wish. And I will be more than happy to include your feedback in a later podcast, and especially to respond to it as quickly as I can. We're going to begin where we left off, and so after Arya leaves the Hound, we finally turn to what i feel is the biggest influence on arya stark to date no one or and hagar or the kindly man or whatever his name actually is but for the sake of simplicity across all instances i shall refer to him as and hagar and we first meet and hagar as a captive being taken to the wall when he first met arya During the Lannister Raiding, Arya actually saved Jaqen and his fellow captives, Rorge and Biter, from a fire. In reward, Jaqen offered Arya a chance to name three names to die in the place of the three lives that she saved. Now many have asked, and even Gendry asked in Season 3, why Arya did not name big picture names for Jaqen to kill. I believe there might be several reasons for this. But first and foremost, the two names that she chose at Harrenhal were out of a sense of immediate survival, more so than revenge. But given the continued dark path of Arya and her progression of a loss of a sense of justice and a further need for revenge, is it also possible that she merely wanted to keep the names on her prayer list for herself? And for the third name, she gives Jockin. Himself. That is also a name given for survival, using the name to trade with Jockin in exchange for escape. And even at this point, Jockin notes that Arya lacks honor. He has made a promise, and she has turned on the rules of that promise to manipulate more death than a single name. Again, this is for survival, but it is the emergence of a lack of honor for Arya. Something that we had hoped was heavily instilled in her by her father. But throughout the rest of her journey after the loss of her father, honor seems to be a struggle for Arya. As the season passes, she survives Herrenhall, thanks in part to Jock and Hagar, and when he offers her a coin. The one thing that she still carries from her father—a sense of love for her family—keeps her from joining with Jockin then and there. Let's look at Jockin's initial deal with Arya in Harrenhal that allows her to survive the season, as well as the promise that he makes to her at the end of the season.
1: A boy becomes a girl.
2: I was always a girl,
1: and I was always aware. But the girl keeps secrets. It is not for a man to spoil them A man pays his debts A man owes three Three what? The Red God takes what is his Lovely girl And only death may pay for life You saved me and the two I was with You stole three deaths from the Red God We have to give them back Speak three names. And the man will do the rest. Three lives I will give you. No more, no less. And we're done.
2: I can name anyone. And you'll kill him.
1: A man has said.
2: The one who tortures everyone.
1: A man needs a name.
2: I I don't know his name. They call him the Tipler.
1: That is enough. Go now, go. Your master's thirsty.
2: What are you doing here?
1: Waiting for you.
2: How do you know we'd come this way?
1: After all the things you have seen, this is your question.
2: How did you kill those guards? Was it hard?
1: No harder than taking a new name, if you know the way.
2: Show me how. I want to be able to do it too.
1: If you would learn, you must come with me.
2: Where?
1: Far and away across the narrow sea to Bravos. My dancing master
2: was from Bravos.
1: <laughs> to be a dancing master is a special thing, but to be a faceless man, that is something else entirely. The girl has many names on her lips. Joffrey, Cersei, Tywin Lannister, Ilin Payne, the Hound. Names to offer up to the Red God. She could offer them all, one by one.
2: I want to. But I can't. I need to find my brother and mother. And my sister. I need to find her too.
1: Then we must part. A man has duties as well. Here.
2: What
1: is it? A coin of great value.
2: Could it buy a horse?
1: It is not meant for the buying of horses.
2: Then what good is it?
1: If the day comes when you must find me again, just give that coin to any man from Bravos and say these words to him. Vala Morgules. Vala Morghulis. Please
2: don't go, Jacken.
1: Dakin is dead. Say it again. Bala Morgulis.
2: Morgulis. Good.
1: Farewell, Ayastak.
0: Now, there are several interesting things about these two clips to look at. First... Nowhere in these clips is the Many-Faced God mentioned. In fact, the Many-Faced God is not mentioned in Season 2 at all, to my recollection. Instead, Jockin says the offerings are to be made to the Red God. Now, the Red God, just like Melisandre being referred to as the Red Lady, is a reference to the God R'hllor, the Lord of Light. Why would Jaqen not mention the many faced God to Arya even at the end? Well, I say it ties in beautifully to the game of faces Arya is made to play in Bravos, being able to become someone else completely as part of the process of becoming a no-one. I think that because Jaqen initially told Arya that he was from Lise, not Bravos, that he chose to use the Red God instead of the Many-Faced God because this particular quote-unquote no-one is maintaining the character of Jacquin Hagar from Lise. While the Red God is more common in Lise, the Many-Faced God may be much more specific to Bravos, which would tip the hand that this no-one had been playing as this character of Jacquin Hagar all along. Here is something else that is interesting. In the clip from the end of the season, Jockin says he has other duties to attend to and changes his face before saying farewell. Did we ever see that face again in seasons three or four? I don't recall seeing the face that he changed into again. But what might have been those other duties that required a face change once we see that he prefers the face of Jockin Hagar? back at the House of Black and White. For that matter, what duties did he have where he ended up as a prisoner in King's Landing and being given to the Night's Watch in the first place? Now, as far as we know, these questions have never, nor likely ever will, be answered. But the pure speculation is fun, and in my opinion, it is a nod to a certain character named Pate in Books 4 and 5, but we won't discuss that here. Here's another interesting point. When Jockin mentions Bravos, Arya says her dancing master was from Bravos as well, but he responds with, quote, "To be a dancing master is a special thing, but to be a faceless man, that is something else entirely." This, to me, speaks to a deeper question than merely the implication of a skill level. This, to me, is Dave and Dan's way of suggesting a truth about a certain theory. The theory is. That many TV show watchers and book readers alike wonder if it is possible that Cyril Farrell survived his encounter with Marin Trant, but was captured. That Cyril Farrell is in fact a faceless man himself, and that he changed into and Hagar in order to continue to protect Aria. But for Jockin to say here that a faceless man is something else entirely, I believe this is Dave and Dan's subtle way. Of saying that at the very least, they believe that Syrio is in fact dead and that Syrio is not Jockin Hagar. And most notably, Jockin's invitation to Arya may speak and give credence to her entire journey in Bravos and all of the adventures within. He says she must come with him to Bravos to learn the skills in order to offer all of the names on her lips to the Red God, one by one. Again, I believe the Red God is merely a character mechanization in order for Jaqen to keep his character. But his promise is to give her the skills to eliminate the people that Arya Stark wants to kill, not to offer up the names that no one is told to kill. But, I believe that Jaqen knows that the process of learning the skills is to have her achieve a no-one status, which is more of an understanding why to kill rather than who. It's a complicated thing that I am theorizing here, of course. She also has to achieve no-one status in order to be able to fulfill her mission. But there is no indication that Jockin ever actually wants her to become no-one. Or remain at the house of black and white forever as a servant of the many faced god. Instead, he wants her to fulfill her list just as he promises her here. That is the main crux of my theory about what is happening in Bravos. But again, there is a process to that, and that's where we turn to her relationship with Jockin in Bravos itself. First, Let's listen to some clips of Arya learning about what becoming no one means by her interpretation. And then we will explore what it might actually mean according to my theory.
2: Why were they scared of you?
1: You lost this.
2: You said there was no Jack and Hagar here.
1: There isn't. A man is not Jack and Hagar. Well,
2: who are you then?
1: No one. And that is who a must become.
2: I didn't come here to sweep floors.
1: No? Why come then?
2: You said I could be your apprentice. You said you'd teach me how to be a faceless man.
1: A man teaches a girl. While I do Iris, all men must serve. Faceless men, most of all.
2: I want to serve.
1: A girl wants to serve herself. Here we serve the many faced god to serve well. A girl must become no one.
2: Which one's the Many-Faced God? I see the Stranger. I see the Drowned God. I see the Wayward Face.
1: There is only one God. A girl knows his name. And all men know his gift. What are you doing?
3: We're only playing the game of faces.
1: A girl is not ready.
2: Clearly not. I am ready for what for whatever you want to be a faceless man to be no one
1: whose sword is that it belongs to aya stark aya stark's sword aya stark's clothes aya stark's stolen silver a man wonders how is it that no one came to be surrounded by aya stark's things
0: first of all despite the fact that jockan says that jockan hagar does not exist and that he is no one there would just be too many no-ones to try and distinguish in this Bravo section. So I will continue to refer to this man as jockin for simplicity's sake. jockin continually tells Arya that she must become no-one herself. But, again, her initial promise to teach Arya back in Westeros was based on her list. The list of Arya Stark. Therefore, I propose that becoming no one is not about the loss of identity, but rather a state of mind in order to be able to determine who should die and who should not. Here, in these clips, he goads her about having Arya Stark's things. On the surface, and to Arya, it would appear that she needs to dismiss her old identity completely. But to me, this is Jockin forcing her to remember why she has come to Braavos, to learn the skills, and to find a place where she questions her own judgment about who to kill and why. I believe Jaqen is keeping his promise to Arya, knowing that she will not be able to part with Needle, knowing that she will retain her identity of Arya Stark, and I believe he wants her to maintain that identity, but still find the skills needed to satisfy that identity. But there are steps that must be learned in order to achieve a full status as quote-unquote no one. And the first step is to learn to become someone else. Remember that at the end of Season 2, Arya asked if killing all of the Lannister men was hard. Jokin responded by saying that it was no more difficult than taking another name if you knew the way. This is the process of becoming someone else. Not yet, quote-unquote, no one, but someone else. And that process is difficult. Detectable lies must be punished with whipping. Perhaps another nod as to Jockin continuing to use the Red God all through Season 2. Let's listen to Arya's training to becoming someone else.
1: Who are you? Oh, Arya. Yeah. And where did you come from?
2: Westeros My family home is Winterfell I'm the youngest daughter of a great lord Eddard Stark He died in battle Am I? After he was executed I fled the capital Had to kill a sable boy Drove my sword through his back Am I? I stabbed him in the gut I tried to find my mother and brother But I never did They were murdered by Walder Frey. An outlaw kidnapped me. A man called Poliver, A man called the Hound. Sandor Clegane. He tried to sell me but was wounded in a fight. He begged me to kill him but I wouldn't. I left him in the mountains to die. I wanted him to suffer. I hated him. I hated him. That's not a lie!
1: A girl lies to me. To the many-faced god to herself does she truly want to be no one
2: yes (gasps) i'm not playing this stupid game anymore
1: we never stop playing is the girl ready to give up her ears her nose her tongue Her hopes and dreams, her loves and hates, all that makes a girl who she is. Forever. No. A girl is not ready to become no one. But she's ready to become someone else.
0: In the prior clips, we hear Arya training to lie undetectably, something she is failing at because her expressions give her away to Jaqen. This is the game of faces. It is also the first time we get a hint of Arya not hating the Hound, by the way. But the important thing is that Jaqen, with each stroke, is not punishing her for lying badly, at least not in my opinion. In my opinion, he is reminding her of the truth about herself, of who she is, and just prior to the second part of the clip, we see her use the ability to lie convincingly enough to make a girl named Gita drink the death water from the pool. This is why Jockin takes her to the Hall of Faces. He tells her she is not ready to give up all who she is, but is that to make her give up who she is? I don't believe so. Jockin knows that she will not, but he still needs to give her the skills to be able to carry out her list. Remember that in the earlier part of the clip, Jockin tells Arya that they never stop playing the game. Jockin has not stopped playing his game since he gave her the coin to come to Braavos back in Season 2. His true mission is what he told her at the end of Season 2. His mission is to give her the ability to eliminate the names on the lips of Arya Stark. So he tells her that she must forget in order to ensure that she remembers. Something that he knows about her from back in Season 2 is that she will never forget. He knows Needle has not been dispensed with. He knows that she is still Arya Stark and always will be. But he must get her to a certain state of mind rather than just giving the skills to a person who might use those skills unjustly. That is what Becoming No One is truly about. Taking the personal matter out of the killing, so that the killing is done not only without remorse, but done without remorse because it is a considered decision. And Arya, released with the skills in her current state, would kill without consideration so he must slowly graduate her into learning how to become someone else before reaching the quote-unquote no-one state of mind. By becoming someone else, you learn to have a perception of your own actions from the outside, another key step towards the no-one status. And that is where Arya becomes Lana, selling her oysters, clams, and cockles, and is given a mission as that someone else, a mission she seemingly fails. But as the consequences are served to her, she begins to consider those consequences, and consideration of consequence is the key to achieving the no one status, which Jockin grants her at the end of Season 6.
2: I turn left onto Moonsinger Lane. Turn left onto Ragman Lane, where I do most of my trade.
1: Lana is very impressive, very industrious. She will make a fine servant for the many-faced god.
2: How will she serve him?
1: She will no longer turn left onto Ragman Lane. She will turn right and go to Ragman Harbour.
2: What will she do there?
1: She will see. See what? How can a man tell a girl this? If he knew what she would see, there would be no reason to send her. A girl stole from the many-faced god. Now a debt is owed. (coughs) Only death can pay for life.
3: Why are you crying? He was my friend. No, he wasn't. Didn't you listen to him?
1: He was no one.
2: But if you're... Who's this?
1: No one at all. Just as a girl should have been before she took a face from the hall. faces are for no one, you are still someone. And to someone, the faces are as good as poison. says her name a man will let her sleep under a roof tonight
2: a girl has no name
1: if a girl says her name a man will feed her tonight
2: a girl has no name
1: if a girl says her name a man will give her eyes back
2: a girl has no name
1: Leave it. A girl is not a beggar anymore.
2: You told her to kill me. is Arya Stark of Winterfell and I'm going home.
0: First of all, note that Arya's lies are still not totally undetectable to Jockin when she talks about her walk along the harbor. But she has obviously progressed a great deal because he only gives her a light tap with his stick for lying about the street name rather than the huge hurtful wax of before. Also note that Arya has learned that the game never stops, and so she continues to try and sneak lies past Jockin. But for Jockin, the game is not stopped either. The mission that Lana is given leads her directly to Maren Trant, and I believe that to be on purpose. Just as is indicated by Arya saving Lady Crane being witnessed by the waif, I believe that Jockin who knows the names on Arya's list, is giving her the ship insurer because he knows she will see Marin there and thus reunite Lana with her true self Arya Stark yet again. But Arya has stolen a face to do an act in vengeance, again showing that she has not found the considerate state of mind. And because she is not ready for the skill of wearing the face, It becomes poison to her. But again, being no one is a state of mind, more so than a condition of being anonymous or a condition of servitude. At least as far as Jockin is concerned in regards to Arya. He promised, in Season 2, to give her the skills to kill as Arya Stark. But again, he will not unleash an unmeasured Arya Stark. And while killing Marin serves to remind her who she is, it is also a test that she fails because now the face of Arya Stark is linked to killing a Kingsguard. This is a great risk to Arya because it jeopardizes the prospect of her mission ahead. One danger could be that perhaps someone's heard her say her name to Marin in the brothel or that someone could at a later date identify Arya as the person seen leaving the brothel. Arya was believed dead by most in Westeros. Now, if discovered alive, might she not face being hunted again the second she does acquire the skills and returns to Westeros? And so, she must be punished for her lack of consideration of the consequences of her action. And remember, the game never stops. Is it not possible that Jockin's line that the faces are for no one a lie within itself? and witness Arya's connection with the little girl Gita at the pool. Is it possible that he only specifically poisoned that particular face, knowing that that one would be the one Arya would take, because he knew where she was going after all? Whether the poison magic applies to all of the faces, or merely to the one stolen, in the long run, if you accept that no one is a state of mind, rather than a state of identity then it really doesn't matter. And as for the scene of Arya going blind, I honestly believe that everything she saw in the Hall of Faces after returning the face was an illusion due to the poison within the face. She did not see her own face, or Jockins or any of them. It was all a hallucination. There is a difference between no one at all and no one, to me, if that makes any sense. No one at all is a hallucination. No one, again to me, is a state of consideration. And the last true test of Arya's ability to reach the state of mind needed comes from when the blind girl is invited back. He goads her again, making her remember who she is. And it is because she is willing to stay blind, he knows that she is ready for the final step in the training. It is not that she is fighting her identity or trying to become anonymous. It is instead that she is now considering the consequences of what she has done. The fertile ground of the state of mind needed to achieve the no one status. So the final achievement in that status must be the ability to be considerate of the life being taken. This is what Arya achieves by not killing Lady Crane. And at the same time, we see the waif taking a no-holds-barred approach to a literal interpretation of the rules, rather than a considered one. So, is the waif, in fact, a no one? If not, then why would the face not be poisoned to her? Again, I believe that the face that Arya wore was specifically targeted by Jaqen to give her blindness, because he knew that she had not considered. The consequences of her action. At any rate, Jockin sets the waif and Arya against one another, maintaining that a face must be given to the Hall of Faces, a name must be given to the many faced god. He gives Arya the Lady Crane mission, knowing once again that it will reinforce her reasoning for Arya to have come to Bravos in the first place because of the play. But the true test is to becoming no one, is deciding which life must be taken and which life must be spared in a way that is considered not merely vengeance. And by Arya choosing not to kill Lady Crane and choosing to kill the Waif and bringing back the face to the House of Black and White before leaving, this gives Arya the gift of skills she was promised by Jockan all along. And as I theorize, all by design. Not only does she have the skills, but she also honors the agreement of the House of Black and White that a face is owed. Bringing the face of the Waif back secures her status and her safety. Had she merely left for Westeros without bringing the face, she might still be hunted by that organization. Now, mind you, my interpretation of Jaqen and Arya's relationship is just that, an interpretation. For me... The final nod and slight smile of Jockin is to be interpreted as a release of Arya from the House of Black and White and an acknowledgment of the completion of her skills and mindset. Now, you may feel to interpret Arya's journey in another way. Perhaps you feel that Arya merely went to the House of Black and White to get the skills and in a way had to steal those skills from a very rigid society. You may say that she was punished continually for not becoming anonymous and serving blindly. You may consider the House of Black and White as an evil that Arya overcame. All of those points are just as valid as my own. I choose to interpret Arya's entire journey in the way that I have laid out, but other considerations are always welcome. The one undisputable result is that Arya walked away from the House of Black and White with the skills needed to offer the names on her lips to the god of death, just as she was promised by Jockin when he first gave her the coin. And when you think of it, at the heart of Arya's decision is another fulfillment on her list. Jockin is sealing the deal for her in terms of the consideration and identity through both Lady Crane and the Waif. But how did the Waif become someone on Arya's list? Let's listen to some clips now to see how rigid, mean, vindictive, and absolute the waif was in regards to Arya. My mother died.
3: My father remarried and his new wife gave birth to a girl. My stepmother didn't want any rivals for her precious daughter, so she tried to kill me with poison. I found out, sought help from the faceless men... My father was widowed again. I've been serving them ever since. Was that true? Or a lie? What? Did you believe every word I said? Get back to work. She's not ready.
1: Perhaps she is, perhaps she's not.
3: And if she's not?
1: It is all the same to the many faced god. The wrong life.
3: I was right about her. You were. You're not ready. Not at all. Are you listening, blind girl? Do you hear them talking? Do any of them talk to you? No. So sad. Stand and fight, blind girl.
2: I can't see. That's your problem, not mine.
3: You tomorrow. If you'd have done your job, she would have died painlessly. Instead, the many-faced God was promised a name. He must always receive what is his. You can't change that. I can't change that. No one can. And now he's been promised another name.
0: The Waif being able to wear the faces, yet her lack of consideration and her cruel nature towards Arya, signals to me that when Jockin gave Arya the blindness punishment, he perhaps poisoned just that single face that he knew Arya would take. We see the Waif using faces twice towards the end, once to try and kill Arya, and once to finish the Lady Crane job. Yet, clearly, she has the same need for revenge and non-consideration, as Arya in earlier kills. And even though I believe Arya has achieved the status of no one, allowing her to wear the face she uses to kill Walder Frey, I think that the waif is evidence that perhaps she really did not need to achieve the no one status in order to be able to wear the face. The game never stops, so we may never know the true answer to that. And that's what brings the ambiguity and, for some, the frustration of Arya's Bravo storyline. For instance, Arya is made to drink from the pools that normally kill people in order to regain her sight. Could that be interpreted as that Arya actually had to die and be reborn as a faceless person? Or is it to be interpreted that the pools are magic and that the gift that is needed is given from the pools, no matter what that gift may need to be. Or, some might propose that the normal contents of the pool were simply replaced by jockin before he brought her to drink. And, of course, the most frustrating thing for the Aria storyline among fans seems to be the resolution of the Bravo storyline itself. The director of Broken Man and No One episodes, Mark Mylod, has gone on record to say that Arya merely let her guard down, which gave the waif the opportunity to attack in The Broken Man. But many fans were proposing all types of theories that would explain her actions. I even briefly bought into them, but fortunately our friend Donald, that's at DonaldJR on Twitter, from the Small Council podcast, pulled me back from the brink. And I feel the realization that Arya's actions in The Broken Man were simply a mistake on Arya's part... soiled the enjoyment for the resolution of the No One episode... because their expectations were higher than they should have been. Maybe the writers even specifically trolled us into those expectations... or maybe it was purely accidental. But the distaste of the story of Arya running for her life... seems a little unwarranted to me. Yes, she's running and jumping around... What else can she do? She needs to get back to a place where she can fight the Waif with an advantage. She knows how to fight blindly in the dark. The Waif evidently was not punished in the same way that Arya was before. And, as for her recovery from the injuries from the Waif, if you can have Varys in a shot in Dorne, and then just a few shots later have him back in Essos on a boat with Daenerys, then you have to accept a compression of time for any storyline, including Arya's. Who's to say how long Arya was able to spend time recovering from the wounds before the Waif showed up to finish off Lady Crane? Not only that, but I don't believe the Waif was actually looking for Arya at that point. The Shadow seems to be walking away, as do the sounds of the footfalls, until Arya shouts out Lady Crane's name. Then you hear the walking stop. You must also accept the compression of time between the killing of the Waif and Arya's returning of the face, just as you must accept a compression of time between Arya leaving Bravos and ending up at the Twins. The only single complaint that I can see as legitimate in regards to Arya's storyline was her initial survival of the injuries that the Waif gave her themselves. Lady Crane probably could not have patched up Arya from those types of injuries, But I also feel that the TV trope of showing a lot of blood, perhaps too much blood, misled us as to the extent of Arya's injuries. And while that's not the best television, it's no reason to call Arya's entire storyline in *Bravos* quote-unquote a waste or quote-unquote terrible. Watch any show on any network television on any day of the week and see if you don't find TV tropes executed in even weaker ways Ten times over. All that aside, it is time to now ask, what standing with us as viewers does Arya as a person have now? Her path is dark for sure. Do we expect her to return to the light? Is she meant to? There are many forum theories from book readers and TV show watchers alike that have identified Arya with the stranger aspect of The Face of the Seven. And that is one of the gods, of course, represented in the House of Black and White. Is Arya supposed to be anything else than a deliverer of death from here on out? One thing is for certain, Arya is Arya, and she is fulfilling her list. And she is making certain that anyone on her list who she happens to get to cross off recognized her as she dispenses her vengeance.
2: What, what? What do you mean? Can you walk? I've got to carry you. Carry me. Fine little blade. Maybe I'll pick my teeth with it. Uh, uh. You were the first person on my list, you know. For killing Sirio <laughs> Pharrell, remember him? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I've gotten a few <laughs> of the others. The many faced <laughs> god stole a few more from me. I'm glad he left me you. <laughs> Do you know who I am? <laughs> I can't hear you. You know who I am. I'm Arya Stark. Do you know who you are? You're no one. Nothing. They weren't easy to carve, especially Black (sighs) Walder. My name is Aya Stark. I want you to know that. The last thing you're ever going to see is a Stark smiling down at you as you die.
0: In these clips, Arya makes sure to remind Poliver... ...of his killing Lamy and taking her needle. But further along, with Marin and Walder, she announces her house name to them. Does this begin to justify the killings themselves... ...simply because they are now being done in the name of one of our favorite houses? And now that she has the skills to wear a face... ...should we be concerned about where she gets the faces? Or again, no matter what that answer might be do we as viewers feel that the ends justify the means? Personally, as an admitted Arya fanboy, who has difficulty seeing a young girl become such a dark person, this haunting sound of revenge-taking Arya's voice is very disheartening. But no matter how much I may wish to have Arya return to the light, I feel we've seen example after example in this show, where the circumstances that have pulled her from the light have been overwhelming. So, should I merely accept that Arya is who she is now? And at least revel in seeing those who have wronged her and her family being served a taste of revenge? I pose that question to you and this one as well as we conclude our look at Arya. Who next on her list will she seek? folks that's going to do it for our look at aria i hope you enjoyed it Uh, i'm sure that many of you will disagree with this section uh and i welcome you to submit feedback uh, with your disagreements and uh i love uh, i love to have a conversation about aria anytime our next character bio or next character examination will be another stark child we'll be looking at bran 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 everywhere as this podcast is famous for saying Uh, That will be our next character examination. In the meantime, remember, you have until October 4th to leave a written review on whatever podcast app you use in order to be entered into our Game of Thrones contest. There will be two winners of the Game of Thrones Season 6 soundtrack in either CD or MP3 format, whichever format you choose. So be sure to get those written reviews in before October 4th. And if you do have any feedback for me, remember podcastwinterfell.com is the place to find it, or you can listen to Axel Foley right here from the Small Council Podcast. He'll tell you how to contact me as well. See you next time. Take care.
1: You've been listening to Podcast Winterfell. Find the podcast blog at podcastwinterfell.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter, twitter.com slash Winterfell Contact the podcast either by email, podcastwinterfell at gmail.com or by calling the listener line 314-669-1840.